0: If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2022, please make a year-end tax-deductible gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at IssuesETC.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2022. Maybe we all feel a little guilty that the holidays are upon us and they don't seem very festive. Maybe you're not able to go to church. That's a big one. Not able to see your family as you would like to see them. You're going to Zoom it this year. Who knows? And that guilt that you feel for not being as happy as you should be during the happy holidays may be part of a bigger problem or a smaller problem. But for years now, we have recognized that the time of the holidays is a time when there's a peak in, what do you call them, the holiday blues or maybe even actual depression. How should we understand this as Christians when we do have every reason to celebrate what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and yet the holidays can be dark times emotionally and socially? greetings and welcome to issues etc coming to you from the new studios of lutheran public radio in collinsville illinois i'm todd wilkin thanks for tuning us in dr beverly yonke of doxology joins us for the first hour to discuss holiday blues and depression then we'll study the christmas hymn let all together praise our god with pastor will whedon of the word of the lord endures forever dr beverly yonke is a clinical psychologist She's executive director for Christian Council for Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel. She formerly served as a professor of psychology and department chair at Concordia University, Wisconsin. Dr. Yonke, welcome back to Issues, Etc.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Why do you make a distinction between holiday blues and holiday depression?
1: So important. Uh, Such a great place to start. After all, who Zooms Christmas services after all? That's just wrong in every possible way. We do need to make a distinction, though, when we talk about holiday blues or depression. Ordinarily, the holiday blues are going to refer to a seasonal kind of distress. You know when to expect it. It isn't going to happen in June. And it's a seasonal distress which is temporary the onset time, a little before Christmas. It it might even start a little bit before Thanksgiving if there's a great deal of family activity, family interaction. And then after the holidays, people seem to rebound. They return to the rhythm of their normal life after the new year begins. The holiday blues can be kind of a light blue or they can be deep, dark, midnight blues that really resemble depression and could be mistaken for depression. It could feel like depression and some of the symptoms mimic real depression when the individual is struggling. And if people are slipping into the blues, there's ordinarily a a very good, very external reason for that. You are shopping and wrapping and cooking and baking and decorating and putting up the tree and expecting or not expecting relatives. And most people are stressed about most things. Uh, Their to-do list before Christmas has way too much stuff, and the blues tend to worsen throughout the holidays as the stress increases, and then they seem to remit as people return to the structure of their workday lives. So ordinarily what we have to do is acknowledge it's fleeting Expect that the greater your stressors, the greater your blues, and that if you've come into the holiday season with a genuine classical medical depression, that could worsen as well. But they are two different kind of phenomena. So I take it from
0: that that the blues are transient, but depression may last, may precede and may even last beyond the holiday season. It could
1: indeed absolutely right. Some individuals come into the holiday season, haven't been depressed for three months, six months, three years, and they surely have no expectation that the holidays will make a single thing better. So you can have layers of different sadnesses, if you will, that all seem to cohere and connect in the holidays, which is a dreadful kind of time. I
0: mentioned that guilt that I think comes sometimes with going into the holidays not as happy as we think we ought to be or really even maybe even apathetic about what's before us. Talk a little bit about that.
1: For some people, the psychologists are now telling us guilt is a real thing. Psychology has discovered guilt and religion applauds. Yay. Yet, uh, we recognize that during a time of depression, one can become so accustomed to feeling sad and so accustomed to feeling hopeless about one's circumstances that one feels guilty, I can't change my circumstances, I can't help myself, and there's a numbing effect almost as if it's a self-protective effect. I cannot deal any longer with the prospect of feeling this way. So I'm going to stop thinking about it. I'm going to stop interacting with other people. And there's a numbing and a withdrawal, which in fact makes everything worse. So
0: let's put it in the context of this year. For many, the blues at holiday time or even depression are an annual occurrence. They know it's coming. But this year is in many ways different because of the restrictions on gathering and it's made it even more depressing
1: oh absolutely and all the sadder as you mentioned in your opening there are the people we can't see who are literally held prisoner if you will protective prisoner in assisted living centers and in nursing homes where relatives visit their friends and relatives by looking through windows and waving and holding up pictures which is tragic someone has referred to the ability to connect with absent people as excarnational and we love incarnation the touching and the hugging and the kissing there are people we can't travel to visit there are people we've lost to the disease over these many months. And some people, particularly on one's state of residence, I suppose, some people have had very long periods of isolation and lockdown. I'm thinking of California now, which is looking at another lockdown coming up. That's remarkably hard to bear. So the cumulative stressors of home and school, which are enough for most people, have been ramped up as parents are homeschooling their children and trying to complete the requirements for their personal vocations. And then we're going to add to that, as if that weren't enough, the media's constant storm in these days, uh, filling our lives with shouting heads, not talking heads, and post-election chaos and political chaos and turbulence about religious freedom. COVID has ramped everything up to the point where depression has become more prevalent. And by the measure of most research groups, depression during COVID has tripled. Uh, Some groups have said it has quadrupled. And not only is that true for depression, COVID has had the same impact on anxiety, quadrupling or tripling those people who are reporting depression and anxiety disorder symptoms. So the holiday blues, which usually are their own sufficient kind of mixture of anxiety and angst and stress, uh, get bumped up with the pressures of the COVID world that we can't simply ignore.
0: Talk a little bit about the isolation. Very few people are completely isolated, but you did mention people who are in assisted living I know just for as an, as an example, my wife's parents live in assisted living. They're both relatively mobile. They can get out. But with very few exceptions, they have not left their apartment since March. And oh my. even though they have one another, they do have visiting healthcare workers who come in, which helps a lot. Family can occasionally go in. They've been stuck there. Talk about that kind of a
1: situation that, some people do suffer. The number of people who have lost mobility and lost the ease of coming and going are often trapped in their residence. And during the earliest lockdown, some of the most unfortunate situations occurred when staffers tested positive for COVID and residents were thereby confined to their rooms. They received their meal on a tray at the door, could not even socialize with the individuals whom they ordinarily met and enjoyed at the assisted living or nursing home facility and when people do come to care for them or attend to them you have healthcare workers who are literally wrapped in layers of protective shields and masks almost hazmat suit looking paraphernalia and human touch is lost and you're interacting with somebody that looks like a creature from another planet. And so these people desperately miss the opportunity to connect with their friends and their relatives. They are indeed held captive and this is the season to set captives free. Perhaps the vaccination will allow for some of that.
0: I want you to address, before we get into some particulars, that factors that can exacerbate the blues or depression at this time of the year, I want you to talk about The fact that for many people, they've been kept away from church, too. And church, for many, many people suffering depression, is a lifeline.
1: Absolutely right. Although, to be honest, some people who have serious cases or recurrent depression, that's a major depression, uh, they've withdrawn from church from some little while ago. Uh, Even before COVID, the most seriously depressed people find that it's remarkably difficult to go to church and be in the presence of individuals who appear to be well and enjoying their family and laundered and participating in the social world. And the very severely depressed people simply don't have the emotional energy to interact with their church community. So many of the most seriously depressed have stopped attending and are relying on home visits from their pastors. For the most seriously depressed people, they now have a benefit they've never enjoyed before, which is the opportunity to join their congregation at least by video. And some individuals have found that to be an extraordinary blessing. They never expected that, in fact, now they felt as though they had been able to once again participate in the worship life of their congregation online. For those individuals, though, with lesser depressions, generally being in church on Sunday morning is pure feast, and it's an opportunity to participate in the encouragement and the hope shared by individuals within the body of Christ and to receive the gifts, which is at the heart of worship for faithful Christians. So being separated from the community of the church, being separated from the opportunity to receive Christ's gifts of his body and blood given in the Holy Communion, that is a desperate separation and surely contributes to a feeling of loss, sadness, sadness and hopelessness. Dr. Beverly Yonke is
0: our guest. She's a clinical psychologist and executive director for Christian Council for Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel. We're talking about holiday blues and depression. Stay tuned.
2: Listen to the best of the church's Christmas music during the entire Christmas season at LutheranPublicRadio.org. During the 12 days of Christmas, Lutheran Public Radio, LutheranPublicRadio.org. We know that you want to build your family on the right foundation from the very start the foundation of Jesus Christ. Concordia Publishing House offers more than 8,000 products for churches, schools, and homes. Dedicated customer service and an experienced staff to help you focus on what matters most. Click to connect at cph.org. Concordia Publishing House, listening, responding, providing for God's people. Concordia Publishing House, cph.org. Your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues etc. Memoria Press is a family-run publisher of classical Christian education materials for homeschools and private schools. Every page of the Memoria Press curriculum leads students to a mastery of content, an understanding of the classical heritage of the Christian West, and an appreciation of truth, goodness, and beauty. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and use the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. memoriapress.com Not everyone is comfortable with new
0: technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial a podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about holiday blues and depression. Dr. Beverly Yonke is our guest. Dr. Yonke, let's go through a few of the things that add to our stress and therefore can exacerbate the blues or depression during the holiday season, beginning with finances. If
1: anyone goes finger flicking through Google and they try to determine what's at the heart of holiday stress, a good number of the experts are going to say finances are one of the chief issues that cause stress during the holidays, especially during COVID, which is an additional burden for those who have had job changes or reduced hours or who have lost their job. It's particularly difficult to have the kind of Christmas you had last year and the year before and the feeling of guilt of not being able to provide the fun, the frolic, the merriment that your family enjoyed at an earlier time. An awful lot of families are feeling uh, an obligation to do splurges at Christmas this year. Some people are reasoning, you know, we had no vacations. There was nowhere to go. Uh, There were no concerts we could attend. Couldn't even take the kids to a, a ball game. There was nothing. So not only ought we do something special at Christmas, we must do something Big, do something splashy. And that generally means spending more money than they expected. And some people will say everyone will be eager to please everyone else and then buy this year's gifts with next year's money. And so as the Visa and MasterCard uh, statements arrive at the end of the month, there's often a tidal wave of realization maybe we could have exercised a little bit more moderation. So the desire to please encourages spending and feeling good, but reality usually comes in an envelope at the end of the month. So that leads us into
0: the fear of disappointing others. I talked about that guilt of not being able to kind of get with the swing of the holidays at a time like this. Discuss that fear of disappointment. Oh, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Oh, we love our family. We love our friends. And uh, the notion that anyone would be disappointed with a gift we gave or a dinner we failed to offer, we feel the responsibility almost to make Christmas perfect for everyone around us. And I have news for you that's very unlikely. And so people need to step away from the impression We have to have the right food, the right activities, the right gifts, the right gatherings, and instead simply do what's reasonable to honor the Christ child during the season we recognize his birth. So it's not about baking the cookies and sending the right cards and heaven forbid that 17 page Christmas letter be less concerned about disappointing people, and more concerned about having a Christmas which honors the Christ child and allows your family to enjoy their time together.
0: You had mentioned just, just a moment ago, but there is going to be a tendency to compare this Christmas with Christmasts of the past, and we do tend to, as time goes by, idealize those past Christmases.
1: Oh, we do. Christmases when we were 9, 10, 12 seem to loom large in our memory. And we recall vividly that those were perfect Christmases. (laughs) And quite honestly, you're right, we do idealize them. Not only do we compare Christmases present with Christmases past, now we compare our Christmas with our neighbor's Christmas. Do we have enough lights in the front yard? Do we have enough boxes from Amazon on our front porch. Or worse, we compare ourselves with the Hallmark movie Christmases, a whole new level of unreality TV. What's reasonable? Is this reasonable for this year in these days? And reassure yourself, this is just fine. So comparing Rarely ends well, and we usually find all kinds of complaints. So instead, noticing where we're at, what we're enjoying, and really beginning to marinate in the blessings instead of wishing for what isn't or what once was.
0: There's also a tendency to, in that vein, live in the past. But in these times, it's kind of mixed with a toxic cynicism that says, I'm going to expect the worst. What are your thoughts there?
1: Of course we expect the worst. It's what we do. A study was done in 2005 by the National Science Foundation. It was very revealing. And it said on average, most people have between 12,000 and 16,000 thoughts a day. And of those thoughts, over 95% of them are negative How depressing is that? And as if that weren't interesting enough, 80% of our thoughts are identical to the thoughts we had the day before. So talk about getting into and locked and loaded into a very narrow way of thinking about many things. And if your impressions about The holidays in general and Christmas in particular are negative. It is simply going to blast you day after day after day. And so rarely do we look beyond that for hopefulness and optimism and encouragement and to identify and count and be grateful for our blessings. We wallow in the negative things we notice. I have a friend who says, you can live through one whole day and at the close of the day, you're most likely to pick the one or two things that went wrong. The one or two things that leaped off the rails and disregard entirely every other good thing. And so you're right. We kind of cultivate a pessimism instead of looking for future and hope and blessings that are sure to come. And you had mentioned the media before. That is so exacerbated
0: by the endless litany of numbers, the talk about hospitalizations and deaths, and we don't hear a lot about recoveries, and those mounting numbers that are thrown at us every single day, wherever we look.
1: And that is a doom and a gloom, and it shapes each day for us. What is the death count? What is the infection count? It starts our local news. I would love to hear them at least once or twice say, do you realize that the recovery rate from COVID is 99.5%. So it is being bombarded with all that is wrong, all that is frightening, and that's not very good news. So discuss our physical
0: well-being because it is cannot be separated from our mental and emotional well-being.
1: It can't be, but we do it with great regularity. We may be deeply aware of our emotional states and pretty plugged into our needs, but we often neglect the self-care elements and the physical well-being elements. Most of us instead look at the need to do things that are physically active and healthy and most of us say I, I kind of do that or yeah uh, I know I need to do that or I want to do that talked with a woman the other day who said you know I got this great watch for Christmas last year, it's it's a, an Apple watch and it measures all kinds of awesome physiologic stuff and tracks calories and workouts, I should read the instructions <laughs> so we, we have the tools we have the awareness, we have the desire, but we may not have a sufficient opportunity and energy to take care of ourselves. The most basic thing we can do for ourselves during Christmas is rest. Get some significant sleep if it's humanly possible. Because when we rest, all of our cells are, if you will, washed, waxed, rebuffed, and prepared for the next day. It's a time of cleansing and healing of all our body systems. So, if we commit at least to say, maybe take a walk, maybe go to a mall and do a lap or two if you're able. And instead, most people live with the ought tos. Diet, same thing. Yes, it's reasonable to have a splurge meal or two or three during the holidays, but we tend to make every meal our splurge meal, and we're prepared to to waddle back to our work at our computer in the new year. And the truth of the matter is, hearing people talk about healthy food, healthy physical activity rarely results in change, especially at Christmas when there's feasting to do. But talking with you now about healthy foods, I realize won't be that habit. I'll say broccoli, and and at least we've talked about it. And it might perhaps appear on someone's New Year's resolution list, but don't make physical care one more thing that you fail to do at Christmas. Do what you can. Rejoice in the little bits you are able to do and continue to plan in the future to do things that may be a little bit more ambitious and have a few more rewards in terms of the well-being department in the new year.
0: You had mentioned kind of these fundamentals of are you getting enough sleep and are you getting enough physical exercise and caring for yourself in in those very basic ways. One thing I've discovered, especially as we pass the, the winter solstice, is getting out and getting as much sunshine, even if it means putting on a very heavy coat, is very helpful. What are your thoughts there?
1: It certainly is. Simply to be out of the house is remarkably important in combating the blues. During the early days of COVID, I found neighbors I didn't know existed as they were walking in herd-like fashion uh, around the neighborhood. Exercise is great, but getting out of the house, if you're going to walk outside in in your bundles and, and your nose warmer, or you're walking at a mall, if it's possible, walk with someone else. So it's also social, it's an encouragement, it's an activity, and it takes you out of the just compression of all things needful at Christmas. It's a good thing to do.
0: We're discussing holiday blues and depression with clinical psychologist Dr. Beverly Yonke. Folks, it's not too late for you to make a year-end tax-deductible contribution to support the worldwide outreach of Issues, etc. No gift is too small. You can make a secure online gift at issuesetc.org or by check. Make your check payable to Issues, etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois 62234. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support at the end of 2020. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about managing our expectations when we have holiday blues or depression.
2: This week on The Word of the Lord endures Forever, we dig further into St. Luke's Gospel with The Sinful Woman, Part 2, Women Disciples, Parable of the Sower, How You Hear, and Jesus Calms the Storm. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendoors.org or your favorite podcast provider. For nearly 140 years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective
0: and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of God's Word. Visit
2: our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Our Christian faith is under constant attack, and we must be proactive in keeping our children in the church. At Faith Lutheran School in Plano, Texas, we believe that an education rooted in God's Word is one that stands against the very gates of hell. Nothing in this world is more important. Offering a rigorous classical Lutheran education, we provide in-person and live online remote learning opportunities for preschool through grade 12. To learn more, visit flsplano.org, flsplano.org. Learn and grow with us at Redeemer Lutheran Church, 7670 East Jomax Road, Scottsdale, Arizona. The gifts of Christ are received every Lord's Day in the 9 a.m. Divine Service. Confessional, Evangelical, Sacramental, Liturgical, Lutheranism the way it used to be, Lutheranism the way it can be once again. If you're in Scottsdale or in the Phoenix metro region, we'd love to have you visit. And please also visit our website, RedeemerScottsdale.org. For sinners only. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. Congregational Sponsor. Advent Lutheran, Zionsville, Indiana. Holy Shepherd Lutheran, Haslett, Texas. Holy Trinity Lutheran, Columbia, South Carolina, Our Redeemer Lutheran, Emmett, Idaho, St. Paul Lutheran, International Falls, Minnesota, Our Redeemer Lutheran, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Redeemer Lutheran, Lincoln, Nebraska, St. Peter Lutheran, Arlington, Wisconsin, Trinity Lutheran, Oak Mulgee, Oklahoma, and Zion Lutheran, Pleasant Plains, Illinois. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to IssuesEtc.org, click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal.
1: Hello, darkness, my old friend.
2: I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping
1: Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision...
0: Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about the holiday blues and depression. Dr. Beverly Yankee of Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel, is our guest. So, Dr. Yonke... Let's talk about managing expectations. This is, again, some of that fundamental way of ordering our our thoughts and our ideas when we're suffering from the blues or depression.
1: Exactly right. And you're right to notice that it is absolutely the, the center of the problem, which most depressed or holiday bluesed people are experiencing. Expectations really begin to set for us uh, much of the major structure for the season. And we begin to answer these questions starting as early as October, November. What should Christmas be like? What should our time together as a family be like? Uh, What should we do? Which people should we do it? And what should our meals be, our gifts be, our social activities be? What should our worship plan be? And it means that we look at all of our activities and expenses with a clear understanding that if you don't set limits, you will be overwhelmed. And ordinarily, we don't have realistic expectations. We have idealistic expectations because we want everything to be perfect. We want everyone's Christmas to be merry and bright. So we have people who need to bake 14 kinds of Christmas cookies and uh, who agree to organize a morning of Zoom games for their eight-year-old's friends and expect to go to three malls and a Target and a Walmart after lunch and come home and make dinner. When we look at expectations, we realize we need to stop. We need to set limits and once again ask, what's necessary and what's reasonable? And we also need to have in the back of our mind a very small voice that continues to shout at us, you can't do this all alone. And part of our expectations need to be inviting other people to help us. And expectations really have four suits. And the better we are at identifying those parts, the better our satisfaction becomes, the less our angst emerges, and our disappointment about things diminishes. Well, first, identify what it is you do want. What do you want? What do you need to ensure you don't overpromise, uh, and to ensure there is a certain sense of moderation what's reasonable and ultimately if you don't know what you expect from others they have really very little chance of meeting your expectations then you're frustrated and they're frustrated so what is it you really require uh, the second part of really functional expectations is, once you've identified what your expectations are, communicate them clearly. That doesn't often happen. If you have a group of 10 year old girls that wanna bake cookies all afternoon, that's great. And you tell them I'm happy to help and the baking's the most part, but I'm gonna expect that you guys are gonna help with the cleanup of the dishes and the pans and the tables and the counters and the sprinkles on the floor when the cookies are done. Everyone okay with that? So outline what's going to happen and what your expectations are for the activity. And then if you need to, you add a little bit of a bonus phrase, everyone who bakes sticks around and helps clean up or the cookies are all mine, All right? So clear statement of your expectations so no one has to guess. Third part, sometimes we need gentle reminders because we're dealing with other human beings just as forgetful as we are and not all of our holiday tangles are solved by people knowing and honoring our expectations sometimes we forget sometimes the people we rely on have schedules that have gone off the rails so don't be afraid to nudge don't be afraid to kindly remind when you need someone's assistance and to suggest the kind of assistance that would be helpful all good no drama. But nagging, we should probably draw the dotted line, especially at the holidays. Nagging is kind of the big, bad, ugly stepsister of the reminder family. Don't go there. Just be clear, be clever with a light touch to ensure that people are more likely to meet the expectations you've outlined for them. And then finally, the last part of effective expectations we overlook this part the most often because we're busy or because what we asked of the other person wasn't such a big deal. We need to really be grateful when others do meet our expectations and, and acknowledge when those expectations have been met. Unexpected thank you notes are an absolute delight. From time to time, we still receive a handwritten thank you note and you almost want to frame it or tape it up to the refrigerator door because it makes the helper feel good and valued and important. And the psychologist in me says it also <laughs> increases the likelihood that they'll help you again because you've been grateful in this time. In clinical practice, I was working with a really challenging teenager and it was uh, A young man who's about 16 years old had academic issues, behavior issues, and his mom said, I expect to see some significant improvement in the next three to six months before this young man is on Christmas vacation. Well, that was pretty clear, and he worked hard, and we got a lot accomplished, and thanks be to God, he achieved a lot of his goals. Everyone was pleased. Their last appointment, mom, dad, and the young man were sitting together and, and happy with how things had gone. They left the office and I saw some paper sticking out from beneath the base of a lamp on my conference table. And it was a $10 bill with a note signed by the teen, which said, my mom always tells me that when we get good service, we should tip. (laughs) That was another first. The note, was more valuable to me than the $10 bill. So if one of those parts of expectations isn't there, you can expect frustration and disappointment and anger. And the holidays are prime time for that. I saw a couple on December 26th one year for marriage counseling. That should be a clue. And I asked, what's bringing it in? And she looked at her husband and kind of tossed her head and said, well, you tell her. And the man explained that at Thanksgiving dinner, we had a talk. My wife and I had a talk. We had kind of an agreement. And she said, let's not do Christmas gifts for one another this year. Let's let's not do that. I won't shop for you. Let's keep it simple. We don't need to do that this year. And the man said, I thought that was wonderful. That was a great idea. I felt off the hook. I didn't worry about it. And the man went on to say, then on Christmas Eve, she comes out and she has this big gift box for me. And she just kind of sat there and looked all expectant-like. And the kids then started looking at me like I was going to have some big surprise and I had nothing. And I told her, remember, we talked at Thanksgiving and... I said we weren't gonna give one another gifts this year and then she got all teary and it was a mess. And she was hurt. I turned to the wife and I said, you had a Thanksgiving conversation. You said no gifts. He followed your instructions exactly, but you ended up being hurt and disappointed. And she looked at me and she said, he should have known what I meant. And she added, a woman can change her mind. Please never substitute ESP for a clear statement of expectations. And apparently with some people, you may need a signed contract. Because yes, people do change their mind. Best case of clear expectations I've seen this week? There's a Facebook post from Pastor Todd Peppercorn, pastor of a church out in Rockland, California, chair of St. Louis's, Board of Regents, a fine human being to boot. Here's what he posted on his Facebook page. Would someone mind buying me one of the new M1 MacBook Airs for Christmas? Thanks. I appreciate it very much. No one will ever accuse us of having to read his mind. He clearly takes the promises of his faith seriously when it comes to ask and you shall receive. Although I didn't know it worked through Facebook so yes expectations are vital examine them be able to uh, make them moderate and reasonable ensure all things considered that you've been able to communicate them clearly and remind people and then ultimately thank them that's a good thing expectations matter and we do have a great deal of control over whether or not we're disappointed
0: Dr. Beverly Yonke is our guest. We're talking about the holiday blues and depression. She's a clinical psychologist, executive director for Christian Council for Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel. She formerly served as professor of psychology and department chair at Concordia University, Wisconsin. We're going to talk about seasonal affective disorder and how it's different from the holiday blues next If you've enjoyed listening to Issues Etc. in 2022, please make a year-end tax-deductible gift to support this worldwide outreach. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution today at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support at the end of 2022.
2: Does this sound like your church budget process at the end of the year? You get last year's budget and go through with a committee line by line, maybe what we should spend next year. Maybe you have a prayer, but where's the word of God in this process? When do the people hear what the small catechism says about giving and why we do it? Contact us at LCMS Stewardship so that we can help you fix this process, put the word of God first and put your congregation on a good fitting lcms.org stewardship education and edification you're listening to issues etc if you continue in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free dr russell dawn president of concordia university chicago indeed the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose the liberal arts illuminated by the revealed truths of scripture, are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross. The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others, of dying to self for the sake of serving others and a life of service is a life well-lived. Truth, freedom, vocation. Concordia University, Chicago, cuchicago.edu.
0: Welcome back to Issues etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking about holiday blues and depression. Dr. Beverly Yonke is our guest, executive director for Christian Council for Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel. Dr. Yonke, what can you tell us about doxology?
1: Doxology is going into its 14th year of serving pastors and their people. We are an RSO, a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, devoted to distinctly and thoroughly Lutheran study of the care of the soul. So it's really an advanced training opportunity for pastors, inviting them to be the very best pastors that they can be. And in addition to the spiritual care emphasis, there's clearly another emphasis on Christian psychology, providing helpful perspectives on uh, emotional well-being of the pastor and the people for whom he provides care. And so we invite pastors to enroll in uh, one of a number of our programs. I'd especially like to highlight a new retreat program that has just been funded by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, the Office of National Mission. They have fully funded up to 15 respite care retreats for LCMS pastors, respite retreats which invite pastors to step away from what's been happening in their parish in the midst of COVID, to gather together with other pastors for mutual conversation, consolation, as well, careful didactic instruction, worship and encouragement. We have three respite retreats that are scheduled before Lent and it is coming to pastors at no charge whatsoever. So this is a wonderful opportunity for some care for some refreshment and an opportunity to reboot and then return to your parish fully refreshed to take on the ongoing challenges of COVID and the need to pastor 24 seven. So we'd invite them to consider enrollment in the respite care retreats and profit from a curriculum, which men are saying has been just what they needed. Learn more about
0: doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel at our website, issuesetc.org, click Talk On Demand Archives. We mentioned before getting out of the house so much as we can, but how is seasonal affective disorder, how is that different from the holiday blues?
1: Seasonal affective disorder is going to occur whether or not Christians celebrate the Christmas festival or not. Seasonal Affective disorder is a type of depression with a very clear seasonal pattern, and it's a pattern of depressive episodes, often treated perhaps with both an antidepressant and with the presence of light. It's the absence of sunlight which tends to move people into the seasonal blues commonly diagnosed in winter among people who live in colder climates. It is a legitimate type of depression, and it has some of the same kinds of emotional impacts, but the cause and the treatment are different, and it's usually more serious than the holiday blues, which are fleeting.
0: How do you know if you or a family member has depression that invites care?
1: Anybody can go cruising online and find probably eight billion opportunities to take self-tests about depression. If people choose to do that, uh, I encourage them to look at a site online like the Mayo Clinic or Johns Hopkins, legitimate medical organizations that have self-testing questions online and give very helpful kinds of diagnostic information up front. But often what's most helpful if you're concerned about whether or not you might be depressed or concerned about a family member or a friend, is a very simple one to 10 scale. A scale of well-being overall. So if I were to ask you on a scale of one to 10, how are you feeling? How are you doing? And 10 is, I have never felt better. Things are outstanding. I am so happy with life. I glow in the dark. That's a 10. I don't meet many 10s. The other side of the scale is a one where people feel very demoralized, dejected, hopeless. I hate myself. I hate my life. I wish that I were dead. One to 10. All of us are on that scale of well being somewhere. And our moods and our well being can change from time to time. But we're interested in a couple numbers overall. My psychiatrist friends tell me that for the most part, most of us should be around a seven much of the time even if we have been diagnosed with depression and are currently taking some meds and participating in psychotherapy a seven is where our doctors want us to be most of the people that i talk with a good share of the pastors that i talk with are in the high fives and sixes which reflects some distress some depression perhaps some burnout the number we're worried about or where our concern increases is a four. If a person tells you they're at a four, it means that they're having a lot of discouragement, they've had disappointments, things aren't going well, they may not feel supported by people in their lives, and they may feel helplessness about some of the important facts in their life. As you move down from four to three to two to one, there's an inclination towards suicidal thinking and harming oneself. So if people are at a three to four, it's generally reasonable to suspect. It might be helpful to check with a therapist. It might be helpful to talk with your parish pastor, receive some spiritual care to deal with any issues of guilt or shame that may be troublesome and weighing your heart and soul. Or it might be useful to simply talk with a counselor and invite an evaluation of what might be useful. The traditional symptoms of depression aren't that much of a surprise. Sleep is disrupted, appetites disrupted, energy is poor, or just feeling fatigued much of the day. When people are depressed, making decisions is hard. Thinking clearly, they're in a bit of a fog. It's hard to concentrate. And they just slow down mentally and physically. And for those whose depression is moving to a more serious level, they're having some ongoing thoughts of wishing they weren't here or wishing they didn't wake up in the morning or just wishing they were dead. Anyone who has thoughts like that needs care, needs care with some sense of immediacy. If you are concerned about yourself or a loved one, there's a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which you can Google the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline or simply call 800-273-8255. For support, for assistance from a trained counselor, if there's immediate danger, call 911.
0: Let's talk about spiritual care and how it addresses both the sadness and the hopelessness of depression with a couple of minutes here, Dr. Yonke.
1: Spiritual care acknowledges that we are first and foremost a soul created by a loving Heavenly Father and redeemed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are souls. We don't have souls. And souls require care. Souls require care that's found in corporate worship, that's found in the sacrament of Holy Communion, and can often be provided individually, individual spiritual care with a pastor, where a very caring and gospel-rooted pastor listens to the contents of your heart, discouragement, shame, and guilt, and invites an opportunity, if it's appropriate, for individual confession and absolution, to bring words of Scripture to pour healing balm on all failures, disappointments, dissatisfactions, and frustration, and to be able to teach one how to use the Psalms to pray, to bring one's complaints before God with an expectation of hearing and blessing, and ultimately to be able to sit with one's pastor, to have him pray with us, have him pray for us, and to bless us in the name of Jesus Christ. It is a remarkable encouragement and does much to stop the negativism, the guilt, and shame.
0: Dr. Beverly Yonke is a clinical psychologist. She's Executive Director for Christian Council for Doxology, the Lutheran Center for Spiritual Care and Counsel, and she formerly served as Professor of Psychology and Department Chair at Concordia University, Wisconsin. Dr. Yonke, thank you very much.
1: My pleasure. And ultimately, you know, no matter how you're feeling, how difficult it may be for you, uh, don't forget to include the Christ child uh, as the absolute centerpiece of your Christmas celebration. He is the perfect gift for each heart, no matter what age or size. Up next, we'll
0: study the Christmas hymn, Let All Together Praise Our God, with Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. I'm Todd Wilkin. You're connected to Issues, Etc.
2: is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Lutheran Talk.
0: The cause of our salvation doesn't lie within us, but instead it lies outside of us, namely in the mercy of our God who sends his Son to live and
2: die and rise again for us. Lutheran Music. Listen anytime, anywhere with the Lutheran Public Radio mobile app. Download for iPhone, Android, and Kindle at issuesetc.org. The grace of God, the Church's music, the Lord's Supper every service every Sunday, preaching Christ crucified and risen, our hope for years to come, there is hope in St. Louis, Hope Lutheran Church, that is. 5218 Neosho Street, St. Louis, Missouri. Find us on the web at hopelutheranstl.org. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konski, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com.
0: The Word of God, daily worship, Lutheran hymnody and catechesis, instruction in phonics, traditional math, literature, grammar, history, Latin and strings. It's all part of our daily life here at St. Paul Lutheran School in
2: Hamel, Illinois. St. Paul is seeking teaching candidates for the 2023-24 school year. Learn more at school at stpaulhamel.org.
0: Consider joining the faithful faculty at the only classical Lutheran school in greater St. Louis.
2: School at stpaulhamel.org.